Asmi, not the end chronicles. Chapter 17 The second week at Maddie's place after returning from Rajasthan went uneventful, but I had yet not taken any steps to set Puneet free. Maddie had gone off to bed and I lay restlessly on the living room couch thinking about my future. I was delaying talking to Puneet to avoid ruffling him up so soon after his baby's death. Somewhere within I had developed a soft corner for him. I did care at least for his well-being, I realized. Titi was getting restless about our argument being stretched over weeks and I didn't know how I was to clue her in about a prospective divorce. It was this Friday night of the second week when I fell asleep without a solution to disentangle my life from Puneet's without hurting him or getting hurt myself. I had failed to think through how it would all end. In the middle of the night, I woke up with an eerie feeling. When I realized it was Cody's prying fingers on my body responsible for the discomfort, I went rigid with dread. I flopped out of the couch pushing him so hard he fell on the floor. That was my moment of escape and I didn't waste it on screaming. I chose to run instead, but his long arms reached my knees and he pulled me down over him on the floor. I was blocked by the coffee table. I couldn't move much. Before I could catch my breath to scream, he had my face pressed to his chest, struggling to breathe, think and act. I locked my feet with the feet of the couch to get a grip and successfully lifted up my face to breathe some air. <sighs> That fraction of second I took to breathe, let him get the better of me. He spun my head around and using his other huge hand, he pinned me by my arms to the ground. Inebriated with his success on his knees, he was enjoying looking at my helplessness. I scrabbled on the floor using my shoulders, my back and heels against the floor, trying hard to get as far away from him as possible. While I was still wriggling to get off the floor, he pounced on me. The back of my head hit the floor, leaving me deaf and blind for several seconds. When the vision returned, he had his palm over my mouth. My hands were free, but the fear-filled trembling had left them of no use. My throat tightened. The very moment I was about to give up fighting, my trembling hand got hold of something hard. I used it with all my strength on the back of his head, making him grunt. This now could be my only chance. I knew when I took it. Pushing his load off me wasn't easy, and when I finally stood up, I wasn't sure whether to run in and wake Maddie or to take the main door and let myself out. I couldn't take the chance of being trapped in the house, so I opened the door and ran straight out on the street. It was only when I entered a 24-hour medicine shop and looked at the panicked expressions reflected on the man's face behind the counter that I was conscious of my state. Once the panicking fear stopped pulsing through my nerves, I could speak to the man who I found out was the owner of the medical shop. He let me use the phone and allowed me to stay till someone came for me. I called a Puneet cell but couldn't get through, so I called the landline. Samantha picked up the phone, not wanting to alarm her. I just asked for Puneet. He's sleeping, and what do you want from him at 12 in the night? She hissed. I wouldn't call if it wasn't urgent. I need to talk to Puneet. Um, I want his help. Attention is what you want, Asmi. He isn't feeling well. I'll tell him you called tomorrow. 
saying what she thought about my call, drowning my voice with hers. She hung up. I was so stunned that it took me some time to realize she had hung up. I couldn't think for a while. I was thinking of taking help from the man at the counter to avail a cab for Puneet's house, but I just could not make myself do it. Then the thought of calling Maddie crossed my mind. I struck the idea out of my mind as soon as I pictured Cody picking up the phone in the living room. Mike was my last hope. He would suggest something if he couldn't come this far. A cold, crawling sensation slinked up my spine when I called him. I was already assuming this call also to go the way earlier had. He was alarmed as soon as he heard my feeble greeting. I can't tell you what happened. Can you please come to get me? I asked, almost begged. Ask me what happened. Are you hurt? He asked the second time. Please, Mike. Can you come? I pleaded between sobs. Ask me. It will take me quite some time to reach you. Sound like you need some urgent help, Ask me. Please tell me properly. Is Mary with you? He asked. I wouldn't have asked you to come. I called Puneet. I'm so sorry, Mike. I really, I have nowhere to go. I said all the pauses filled by my sniffling. I'm leaving right away. Are you at Maddie's? He asked. No, don't go to Maddie's place. I am, I am at a 24-hour pharmacy here, close to her place. I said. Pharmacy? He barked so loudly in the phone that it messed up my already confused brain. Ask me what happened. Please tell me what's going on. Is Maddie hurt? Are you hurt? Who's with you now? I don't even recall what answers I gave through my fumbling. Give the phone to someone. Ask me. I need directions. He said. I gave the phone to the man at the counter who gave proper directions to Mike. Before calling up Mike, I had an odd foreboding feeling that if he wouldn't be able to come, I had actually nowhere to go. With this fearful thought lingering in my head, I got so panicky on the phone that I couldn't talk normally. Gaining back my composure now, I waited recalling all that had transpired over the last half an hour or so. I had never been the kind working on impulses. The tough fight I gave to Cody was just one of its kinds. I had to think over whether what I did was the right thing to do. How I managed to think on my feet and escape surprised me completely. I couldn't believe I had hit him and wondered what kind of person that made me. A simple trouble-free life was all I was asking. Can a woman without a man's protection in her life not let her hair down and relax? Mike reached within an hour and a half. He was relieved to see me in one piece and unharmed. I had calmed down by then and was not looking like I did an hour back. After thanking the man at the counter, we left without actually discussing about where he was to take me. I told him as briefly as possible about what happened. and understanding my need for keeping it brief he did not pry for the details he offered me a jacket he was thoughtful enough to carry it for me and he made me eat some cookies saying the sugar would help thanks i thought you won't come i was scared you wouldn't be able to come who's with rini i asked don't worry asmi she'll be fine try and take a nap he said Driving in silence for almost half an hour, I was internally debating whether to knock at Puneet's door or ask Mike to take me to his house. Instinct said going to Puneet's house would put an end to what I had started with pure intention of letting go of my claim. But my practical side that I had obeyed for so long warned me of the potential for disappointment and the scandal it would cause if I stayed with Mike. 
cold, stark common sense bellowed just as loudly, saying I should not heed to what people are going to think if I really want to set Puneet free. I had to take this risk. Mike, can you take me to your house? I asked softly. Yeah, okay, he said awkwardly. I know I have been asking a lot these days, Mike. If it is uncomfortable for you to explain to Rini, it is okay. You can drop me at Puneet's, I said. Not for me, Asmi. I was hesitating for you. The first thing in trouble you tried calling him, so I thought you would want to go back. He said. Going back would mean uh, back to square one. I have to finish what I have started. I said. You're a fighter, Asmi, and I salute you for that. He said. I'm taking an easy way out, Mike. I never did fight. I only escaped. You're wrong. I'm actually only giving up, Puneet. I said dejectedly. Asmi, you're giving him up because you care for him. You want to give him what he wants for himself. You have a big heart. His voice was low and serious. You're seeing greatness where there is cowardice, Mike. I was sick of being treated as unwanted all my life. I am being an opportunist by taking this chance at freedom only because I am financially independent now and also away from people who would harass me by talking behind my back. I said, You may tell yourself that a hundred times to make it sound true as me. I know you better than you know yourself. Stop beating yourself. He said sharply. My throat tightened but stubbornly blinking back the unshed tears, I looked out of the window. It was dark outside, but I was not scared at all. I had braved Cody's assault, I had braved Puneet's anger, I had survived Samantha's contempt. I was going to make it out of this marriage smoothly, but not without Mike's help. I thought and my heart swelled with gratitude. You want to cry? Please go ahead. Once home, Rini's not letting you go out of her sight. He said. When we reached his house, it was still dark, but the night was almost over. It was a huge house and not far from the city. The decor would make anyone feel it belonged to a family man. He showed me the guest room and asked if I wanted to rest or preferred shower and coffee. I took the second choice, apologizing once again for keeping him awake. An hour passed by. With our empty coffee mugs, we sat on the stairs at the porch, talking about Rini. He then woke her up, made her breakfast, packed her lunch and when we were waiting for the school bus, she finally was allowed to speak to me. Like any curious child, she was studying me. Hundreds of questions seemed to pass in her mind but I was a first-time guest. She was wary of asking them away. She whispered something in Mike's ears, making him laugh loudly. What? I asked. Rini is asking me if it is okay for her to tell you that she likes your hair. He said, still laughing. Does she need your permission to compliment a guest, Mike? I asked, making him laugh out even louder. This time, Rini also let her suppressed giggles turn into a musical laughter. Last time, I kept telling Phoebe that her clutch was cute. I wish I had one like it. She gifted it to me. So that is when Daddy told me I was wrong in praising it so much. But your hair, obviously you can't gift it to me, so I asked if I could give you a compliment. She said, letting me in their secret. Can I touch it? She asked, jumping almost on my lap and already playing with my hair. Rini, he said in a mock scolding tone. See, Daddy, so soft, then nothing like I've ever seen. She kept rummaging the strands playfully. 
That's enough, Rainy, and call me Mike. Didn't I tell you that? He said sharply, but she preferred to ignore him completely. The next moment, she jumped to her feet when she heard the honking of her school van. Bye, Mike. Bye, Asmi. She said as she darted to the gate. You don't like her calling you daddy? Is it because you're too young to be seen as a father of a seven-year-old? I asked, suddenly realizing how judgmental I sounded. I bit my lips. When she was barely three. My mother passed away. She was very close to my mother. She missed her badly. She would wail and scream when I did things in place of my mom for her. She was wary of me perhaps. Her infant memory of me shouting at my parents made her instinctively hate me. I was to blame for she was reacting to my loathing her those initial days. I had to try really hard to win her trust back. How my heart broke to see the fear and insecurities flitting her face whenever I held her. One day when she asked me if she could call me daddy, I felt a string being pulled tightly in my heart, you know, that instant connection. She had forgiven me. I let her call me daddy when it was just us, you know, to encourage her newfound trust in me. But I feel guilty when I think of my selfish jealousy to share my mom's love with her. I was not a kid as me. I was a grown-up man. She was an innocent outcome of my father's mistake. I should have been more sensitive. His head was hanging low in shame as he stared emptily at his fingers on his lap. I'm sorry Mike I should not have judged you unthinkingly not just this once but all along I said that again is not entirely your fault I didn't make a good first impression on you the first day remember he was referring to that day after my test when I went looking for Lucy and saw them together I'm glad you could trust me enough yesterday to let me come get you he added Asmi Not the end chronicles by Anita S J to be continued